Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to a special five-part series where, with Pat Harned, the CEO of the Ethics and Compliance Initiative, we take a look at ECI's 2018 Global Business Ethics Survey. In this five-part series, we take a holistic look back on the GBES 2018 survey, sharing key findings, important facts, and overall takeaways from the report and what it means for an organization and compliance practitioner moving forward. First, a word about ECI. The Ethics and Compliance Initiative it helps to empower organizations to build and sustain high-quality ethics and compliance programs. As the recognized thought leader in the field, ECI members have access to the top research, networking, and certification opportunities to empower their organization's ethics and compliance programs and their professional careers on a new dynamic path. For more information on the ECI, check out their website, ethics.org. In this fifth and final episode, Pat Harnett and I tie together some of the concepts, issues, and results that turned up in the 2018 Global Business and Ethics Survey. We consider uh, some specific topics about where the regulators may be headed in compliance and ethics, the importance of corporate culture uh, to sustain both the values of a corporation and a compliance and ethics program. And we conclude with a few remarks about the need for the human element in a best practices compliance program, which has been supplemented with technological solutions such as artificial intelligence to increase the efficiencies in a compliance program. It's a fascinating exploration of where we may be headed down the road, and I know you will enjoy it. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist. I hope you have enjoyed this five-part series, which has been a special presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for our final episode of my five-part exploration of the ECI 2018 Global Business Ethics Survey with Pat Harned. Pat is the CEO of the Ethics and Compliance Initiative. Pat, uh, first of all, welcome back. Thanks again for having me. It's great to be here. So, Pat, uh, in this episode, I really wanted to try to bring the year together, see where we have been, perhaps uh, where we are going, and what all this means for not only the chief compliance officer and the compliance practitioner, but perhaps even the business leader. So, uh, with uh, what the survey from 2018 uh, demonstrated, where do you see, or what do you see as some of the key issues for the compliance profession going forward into 2019? That's a great question. I'll, I'll get out my crystal ball and try to <laughs> foresee the future. I, as we've talked about um, both what did we learn in 2018, but more importantly, what's our agenda for 2019 as we proceed with the Global Business Ethics Survey research and other projects that we have underway. Um, I mean, there is the evergreen topic and, and quite honestly, the evergreen challenge of how do you create and sustain a high-quality ethics and compliance program. Um, for us this year in 2018, it was a milestone year because I think we were, for the first time for ECI and in our in industry, able to show some quantitative evidence that quality does matter in, in your ethics and compliance program design. So for us in 2019, continuing to try to give practitioners what they need to make that case 
um, internally and also to enforcement agencies. That is part of our agenda. I think the second biggest thing that we have um, identified as an area for ourselves moving forward is to continue to examine culture within an organization. Um, one of our projects with GBES going forward in 2019 is to really have a dedicated focus on what does culture look like in different parts of the world? What is its influence on conduct? But should we be thinking about culture differently in different contexts around the world? Um, and that will be a fairly big undertaking for us. So you struck, uh, you you touched upon things that I've heard regulators talk about as recently as December. Uh, certainly, uh, in terms of culture, we heard Department of Justice representatives John Cronin and even Rod uh, Rosenstein talk about culture at the end of the year. But we've also seen a move towards uh, uh, demonstrating effectiveness, and that comes through data. So it's a very long-winded way of uh, introducing the regulatory aspect of this because regulators in many ways drive um, the discussion uh, around this. So I was wondering if you might give a few words around where you see regulators going in this area, Pat. It's a great question, and we have certainly partially because of our geographic location in Washington, D.C., but also, I think, because of the research work we've done, we've we've been really privileged to have some opportunities to talk with DO, the DOJ and other enforcement agencies about this very topic um, this past year, but also over the years. And one of the things that I've been pleased to see is that there's, a first of all, an increasing awareness by enforcement agencies of their own influence on the behavior in our industry, but also in business leaders more broadly. So they, I think that they have a greater understanding that if they make an enforcement decision or decline to prosecute and they focus on one thing, like for example, training in the Morgan Stanley case that happened several years ago, all of a sudden as an industry, we're worried about, is my training adequate? So they're starting to think more broadly about, we can't just focus on certain program elements. We have to focus on overall effectiveness and how do we encourage companies to be able to demonstrate that they have effective programs. So I think we will continue to see them advance in that dialogue and in that practice. One of the things that ECI has tried to do and we will hopefully continue to do is to also challenge the enforcement community to think about um, encouraging higher quality programs because we know that just having a minimum standard program does make some difference but not as much as when a company really invests in a high-quality program. So to the extent that they can help reinforce that message, um, they're helping to improve business behavior across all industries. So, Pat, one of the things that 
I've heard both you and ECI really talk about over the past year is the proactive uh, phase of compliance, proactive in terms of not only uh, looking at your own program, but assessing where you are and looking in, into the future to see where you may be going in terms of a business line, of a business product, and of course, in assessing your own risks. But why do you see the proactive phase as so critical now? We are certainly living in interesting times, and and of course, um, as the enforcement environment, as the regulatory environment changes, we've seen it shift in the last couple of years. That doesn't lessen the pressure on a business to be mindful of where they have compliance risks. And I think one of the challenges of a, a dominant compliance focus in an organization is that on a, on its best day, compliance is rules-based, and your rules come from creating boundaries and guidelines for employees based on things that have happened, and you can never have enough rules to anticipate all of the challenges that are on the horizon, and that's why having a proactive approach, a uh, proactive mindset is so important. Um, and the way an organization can do that is to focus on having a set of core values that articulate not just how, where the outer boundaries are, what you're not allowed to do, but focuses on the way we want to do business, focusing on culture. Um, how is it that we are helping people to understand the way things are done? And even more specifically, creating an environment where people feel free to raise concerns, where they'll come forward and report wrongdoing. Um, all of those things help to help an organization to think more broadly about what are the challenges ahead of us? And do we have an environment where people will alert us if there are things we need to know about? Pat, I'd like to end with a few words around technology, but not sort of the new technology that helps the ethics and compliance practitioner be more efficient. Uh, because I think a lot of people have talked about that. I'd like to really focus on the human side of compliance. And even with all of the explosion of tech we've seen in compliance, it seems to me that th there's still uh, an overriding need for the human element. And I was wondering if you might uh, give us your thoughts on that. Sure, absolutely. I think, you know, artificial intelligence sees that as as one of the examples of of new technologies. It is um, it's a fascinating and exciting area of of science and growth. But with it, it's the probably one of the primary examples of what happens when you remove the human element from um, ethical decisions. And part of the challenge is if, if you were to look at things like self-driving cars, there are decisions that have to be made by and by a machine, by a programmed entity about in certain circumstances, what's the best of all bad options. And there's a human element there when people get harmed, when um, when there are risks to people's well-being, how does that decision get made? And I think at, at, at the bottom line, ethics is about trying to p treat people well, doing good by others. An ethics decision has to do with 
um, making a decision, the outcome of which affects other people, and you're trying to do good in the world as opposed to doing harm or doing the wrong thing. Um, and there's a very human element to that, that it's hard to imagine being able to um, have artificial intelligence completely be able to do that in the same way that we were talking before about you can only, you're never going to be able to come up with rules to anticipate all of the risks on the horizon or how people will behave in certain situations. You can also never program a machine or create software that can anticipate all the human elements of an ethics issue. That That's my perspective of it. Well, Pat, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time, but this has just been a fascinating podcast series on the 2018 Global Business Ethics Survey uh, by ECI and where we may be going in the future. I wanted to thank you again for taking the time to visit with me, and I greatly look forward to continuing the conversation. Well, thank you, Tom, for all the work you do in our industry. It's great to have thought leaders like you, and I appreciate the opportunity to be able to sit and chat with you. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this episode in our five-part exploration of the Ethics and Compliance Initiative's 2018 Global Business Ethics Survey Retrospective. If you'd like more information on ECI, check out their website, eci.org. Also, if you'd like the full four-part series of the 2018 Global Business Ethics Survey, you can download each survey from the ECI website. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist. This special podcast series on ECI's 2018 Global Business Ethics Survey Retrospective has been a special presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.